Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier begin their discussion on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. My name is Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right, welcome back. We're here for a new batch of episodes looking at Augsburg Confession, Article 20. Yeah, and by the end of these four episodes, uh, to some people we will be legalists, and to others <laughs> we will be antinomians, yeah. but hopefully to the vast majority of our listeners we will just be Lutherans. Yeah, good. Yeah, so <laughs> so if you're getting critiques from both sides, you're doing yeah. the right thing? Is yeah, that you're, the... you're somewhere in the middle and yeah. that's probably safe. Yeah, good. I always like being criticized. Let's see what we can yeah. do. Yeah, we'll see yeah. See what kind of mail we get after well, these. But it's... you know, if we, if we broadcast our... Uh, pre-conversation times, <laughs> we, we'd really get some <laughs> the downtime, fan mail. Yeah. <laughs> we would be canceled. Uh, uh, yeah. But the, the whole problem in talking about good works, which is what Article 20 is on, the whole problem with it is you reveal other people's misunderstandings about justification mm-hmm. and all of the criticism about good works. And uh, I hesitate. Yeah, I'll, I'll say all of the criticism, uh, theologically speaking, about good works, I think stems from someone misunderstanding justification. Mm-hmm. It's not that w- the good works are bad. It's that we are improperly ordering them uh, yeah. over justification or side by side with justification instead of under justification. Mm-hmm. And so you have the one side, as I mentioned, uh, will call you a legalist because they're fearing you're bringing the subject of good works into justification. And uh, other people will t- call you an antinomian because uh, they will say, because of justification, we don't need good works, which is the position the Roman Catholics took with the early Lutherans. And in the middle, the Lutherans are saying, no, good works are good. If properly understood, they're very good, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they are not at the level of justification. Right. Well, again, it comes down to the distinction of law and gospel. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And I think when we understand that, I, I don't think we're going to really offend anybody. And I think we're, mm-hmm. we're allowing, uh, allowing the scriptures to speak for themselves. Yeah. yeah and I, I remember uh, I was recently going through some of my old, uh, ep- I have all the versions of the Book of Concord. And I was looking through <laughs> the one that we used in seminary, uh, that, Tappert. the Tappert one. And, uh, and that was the same assignment that I think the Lord really worked in your life, Jason, you know, especially the, the large catechism. Uh, but I was just going through and looking through like my marginalia, you know, looking at all the you know, underlines and, and all that, all the highlights. And I highlighted a lot of this, this section. So apparently that really stood out to me at that time. And, and I think that was probably because, um, yeah, I, I had just a real focus on good works. And so I, I, I appreciate this, this article. And so, uh, with that being said, you know, I'm sorry, but yeah, you, yeah, you lost ahead. me at the fact that you have a collection of books of Concord that you go through and read marginalia. Was that the word uh, I heard? Yeah, right. It's, okay. Well, that's like that's only because he's better than you. Oh, that is. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. You do uh, more good works by. Is that it, a good work? Wasn't impressive that I used the word marginalia? It was is. It, and was it's the first time I've heard it, so I, I was going to Google it to make sure it's Seriously? actually a word. Oh. <laughs> I don't it, use it, the margins. I it just means like the notes you write in a book. Kind of like yeah. if you're reading Luther's works in any of his uh, his exegetical works, they're called scholia. 
Yeah. Where yeah. it's his margin notes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you don't have marginalia, huh? I, I don't. I it's don't. It's kind write. of like uh, my marginalia in my Bibles from the time in middle school were all like law verses and, and uh, focused Absolutely. on Absolutely. Yeah, from Bible good, camps. Good works. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now the problem is is that hardly anyone uses a print Bible anymore. So mm-hmm. you lose all of those notes and those highlights. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, <laughs> on that, that happy said, note, on that happy note, um, Let's read between the marginalia. Yeah. Let's read the text there, there itself. There you go. The text itself, <laughs> which, you know, if, if I read the whole article, that would be the end of the episode, which maybe would be okay. Yeah, we could we could really knock out a few extra and, episodes. And three of our listeners, which would be a majority, would say, thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, Nick Offerman reading the, the Calm app, you know, just putting people to sleep. <laughs> I haven't heard that either. Okay, that... Never mind. I know who Nick Offerman is. (laughs) So we are finding out that Brett Bowe lives in his own separate world. (laughs) All right. Article 20. uh, What is going on in that mind? Yeah. Faith Uh, and good works. I'm just going to keep pressing on. Yeah. Uh, Maybe just start reading pretty soon. Start reading. Uh, We would encourage you to read the whole article, uh, but for the sake of time, we're just going to read uh, the first 10 paragraphs of Article 20. And... uh, and we'll go from there. So uh, let's, let's, all right. So it's faith and good works. And it reads this, uh, this way. Our teachers have been falsely accused of forbidding good works. Their writings on the Ten Commandments and other writings as well show that they have given good and profitable accounts and instructions concerning true Christian estates and works. About these, little was taught in former times when the most Part when for the most part sermons were concerned with childish and useless works like rosaries, the cult of saints, monasticism, pilgrimages, appointed fasts, holy days, brotherhoods, etc. Our, impo- our opponents no longer praise these useless works so highly as they once did, and they have also learned to speak now of faith, about which they did not preach at all in former times. They do not teach now that we become righteous before God by our works alone, but they add faith in Christ and say that faith and works make us righteous before God. This teaching may offer a little more comfort than the teaching that we are to rely solely on our works. Since the teaching about faith, which is the chief article in the Christian life, has been neglected so long, as all must admit, while nothing but works was preached everywhere, our people have been instructed as follows. We begin by teaching that our works cannot reconcile us with God or obtain grace for us, for this happens only through faith, that is, when we believe that our sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who alone is a mediator who reconciles a father. Whoever imagines that he can accomplish this by works or that he can merit grace despises Christ and seeks his own way to God, contrary to the gospel. All right, that's through uh, paragraph 10 of Article 20, Augsburg Confession. So the first thing we see when we start the conversation about good works, and and I think uh, this is where so many start to go off the rails right away, is the, the problem with human nature and original sin and human sinfulness is that we get good works wrong because we want to be the ones that declare what good works are and not listen to God's law, which provides us the boundaries for good works. So you had that that whole list of childish and needless works yeah. that were listed in this holy days, fasting, brotherhood, pilgrimages, uh, rosaries, monasticism, things like that. And uh, wherever you have man-made religion creeping into the biblical 
law and gospel paradigm, what you're going to do is you're going to find people defining what good works are and what good works aren't. And, and this was seen with the Pharisees in Jesus' day, it was seen with the Roman Catholic Church of Martin Luther's day, and it's absolutely seen in generic American Christianity as it's kind of blossomed since the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the interesting part here to me reading this, you know, this is, you know, 500 years ago-ish. And you're reading Matthew 23, which is, you know, 2,000 years ago-ish. And so there's a 1,500-year gap in the Pharisees and the, the Catholics and the, the, the sermons that are being discussed here, so to speak, um, from that era. They sound exactly the same. And what, what you're talking about, Jason, is, is legalism, yep. right? And any time we're trying to justify ourselves before that vertical relationship with God, it's legalism. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, two things happen. One, we're going to absolutely run into a brick wall of failure, Right, And that's a good thing, actually, when the law brings us to the point of we can't do anything else, there's nowhere else to look but Christ, who, who has completed all the good works for us. But on the other side is we have to invent a law unto ourselves. And it was a whole lot easier for the Pharisees to tithe mint and dill and cumin and, and ignore the weightier matters of the law. Right. Righteousness, it justice. Was, yeah. Righteousness, justice, and all those things. And that's exactly what happens. A whole lot easier to pray the rosary than to love my neighbor like I'm supposed to. And, and we've talked about at several points as we've worked our way through the first 20 articles of the Augsburg Confession mm-hmm. that the, these two steps go hand in hand. One, we are eliminating the neighbors God has given us for self-chosen neighbors. Often, no one, that's what mon- the problem Luther had with monasticism, is you cut yourself off from the world. Right. Uh, and then, You lose that sense of vocation. Yeah. Then we prescribe the things that we're good at and we call them good works. And so you get to this, this situation where the Roman Catholics, uh, in response to the teaching of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, for the sake of Christ alone, all of the solas of the Reformation, well, the Roman Catholics just throw up their arms and say, well, you're forbidding good works. <laughs> and, and the Lutheran response is no, right. because we're not forbidding good works. We're encouraging good works. The things we're forbidding are the things that you have invented to deliver righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ. Right. And I think you see that a little bit even in our Lutheran circles of people responding to the preaching of the, the gospel, the, the pure gospel, where, well, you're saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't do anything or we shouldn't uh, you know, obey the Lord in any, in any outward way. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not the case. Well, the, the, the three... Uh, whipping boys of generic American Christianity, and, and it's really just all false religion through the ages of Christianity, are one, you've just got to have faith. You know, you can't just have faith. Faith has an object. Uh, the second one is when people cry dead orthodoxy. Yeah. If something is truly orthodox, it can't be dead. And then the last one is cheap grace. You know, grace is never cheap. It always comes at the cost of God's only son. Mm-hmm. But it, it, these straw men have been set up in order that we don't wrestle with what is actually being taught. And, and I think at the heart of this is the notion of, again, our sinful nature. Uh, the notion of our sinful nature that good works must be inspired and coerced by the law. Mm-hmm. And, and there's always this, always this fear. This was the representation of the Roman Catholic Church during Luther's time, and it's the representation now of just about every uh, revivalistic Bible preacher, scare quotes in that, is that if I can't manipulate you 
by emotionalism or some other track of thinking into doing good works, you're just not going to do the good works. In in uh, Christian, the, the biblical response to all that is, one, we are free in the gospel to do the good works, but then we see the law as a boundary and not a coercive force. That's why we teach. That's why we harp on ad nauseum the yeah. doctrine of vocation. That's why we're constantly directing our eyes back to the three estates so that we can locate our neighbors and find who to love, and then the law makes entire sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this might be the the one area where... There's most uh, potential for people mingling law and gospel. Yeah. You know, uh, that gospel mix of uh, where uh, grace and, and good works, where, where does one start? Where does one end? And uh, like you said, vocation too. I think there's so much there in our minds that we operate that way. You know, you get up and go to work because you have to. Right. You you do this in, in a lot of ways. And unless you're talking about a relationship, like with your kids or something, that's not a it doesn't feel like a forcing. Although there are times you go home and you're tired and the kids want to play. And that reminds me of a concert I was at. Jason and I well, I didn't know <laughs> I was gonna go here. You found a way to work this uh, out. Yeah. Very I just wanna just wanna note that I, I was at a, a concert, Stephen Curtis Chapman concert with Jason, and uh, we both left bawling our eyes out like children. <laughs> and it was a reference to, to him, you know, he was talking about how his daughters wanted to play and he had work to do. And then he sang the song The Cinderella, I'll dance with Cinderella yeah. while she's here in my arms and Jason and I were holding each other crying and <laughs> Just, you, just praying that God would yeah. get us home to our kids. Jason's and, like, stop, and, stop. And, no, no. If, if, you, if you have not heard the song and are currently not in a position of emotional fortitude, do not listen to that song. Or you will be it, ugly crying just like Jason was. It, yeah. it will wreck you. Yeah, I was, I was upset. No, but the point is, is I don't know. Oh, that, was, that was a long way to say it's even with our kids sometimes. We feel yeah. like we have to. We have to go. We have to do this. And it becomes something we need to do. And when, and the funny thing is, is when we carry that in to the idea of theology, we're doing it ultimately those things. We want to please our, our kids. We want to make them happy or our boss. We want to please our boss. We want to make him happy. And so we think about that way with God. And then we, we look at like, no, your righteous deeds are like filthy rags before me, says the Lord. Yeah. It's again, this whole matter gets sorted out if you properly order justification. Yeah, right. right? You, if you start say, from you that point, you got to go to justification and, first. Yep. Yeah, and where where the generic American church really goes off base, aside from all the other things that we've already identified, is we become obsessed with motivation. Like you said, Adam, uh, I don't want to do the law. And so there's that defect, right? And if you are are properly ordered and situated under justification, the law will tell you to do it anyway, and then make it a matter of repentance. But we have this paralysis as American Christians where where we won't do something unless we're properly motivated to do that. And and when, when you're looking at good works and you're looking at justification, you say, no, 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 don't go there. Because our motivation will always be tainted by sin. And you know what? If, if it's not our unwillingness to love our neighbor, it's going to be our willingness to use our love for our neighbor to our own credit. And, and what you look at is the freedom we have to love under the law without being threatened by its condemnation. And mm-hmm. so you have justification standing there, delivering you from all of your sins and from all of the accusations of Satan. And, and then you're free. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the end 
sentence of the gospel message. No condemnation. Well, the law still speaks to the Christian. The law still says, love this way, love this person, love this person in this way. And when we don't, now the freedom is we repent to receive that forgiveness without fear of God smiting us. And in that habit of repentance, the Holy Spirit works on us to go out and love our neighbor in the way God has prescribed because we're doing so from the position of assurance of salvation. We're not doing Mm -hmm. it for our credit. That's that two kind of righteousness paradigm that we've talked about in the past. One of the one of the vocation pieces and, and the way we talk about vocation is love for neighbor, right? It's a work for neighbor because of the relationship we have with Christ. One of the verses that comes to mind, and it's because of some of the things we've been discussing in, in one of my classes that I'm teaching on, on Christian identity and relationships, which very much ties into this. Um, the, the verse from Colossians 3, I think a lot of us have, have had this even memorized, but whatever you do work heartily is for the Lord, not for men. And then verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Now, the inheritance is not something you earn. The her- inheritance is something that is given to you, bequeathed to you, if you will. Wow. A- a- that was a good bequeathed. word. It's like marginalization yeah. or whatever we, we it was. Pulled out a yeah. Margin- yeah, we pulled out a couple episodes. We did besmirch and now we got bequeathed. This is amazing. Yeah. Yes. That's, uh, yeah. Where, where was I going with this? You, you interrupted Sorry. me. All Colossians because of my three. brilliance with words. Yeah. I just can't continue a flow shot. No, inheritance. Thought. So inheritance, it's something that is bequeathed, not something that is earned. And in the, what he's saying there, implicitly, it's, it's kind of like, why did he say that there? He said it because you can work with freedom and with joy to love one's neighbor when you recognize that you're not working for an inheritance. It's already coming. It's already on the, I mean, you, you already are promised it. You know that it's, it's coming. There's a future reward to look for. And that all starts with that vertical relationship with Christ, that justification language where we are, are justified or our, our sins are declared uh, forgiven for the sake of Jesus wholeheartedly, instantaneously, once and for all. And that inheritance becomes ours at that moment. And then we're free. Then we're free. Yeah. Colossians three is the other side of a coin that starts on in Romans four. In Romans 4 is that whole argument that if Abraham was uh, had wages, then his faith could not be credited to him as righteousness. It's the whole faith chapter in the flow of Romans. If we, we have faith and justification on the one side, then we have our good works are meant for our neighbor, right? It's the whole formula that Luther gives in the large catechism. God doesn't need your good works. Mm-hmm. You don't need your good works, but your neighbor needs your good works because that is that vocation aspect where because you are saved, because you have been granted salvation by God in the completed work of Christ on the cross. And this is the value in the terminology of objective justification. Mm-hmm. And because it's yours, that's subjective justification. That justification then orients you to your neighbor in such a way that you won't use your good works for your credit because you have everything you need for salvation, yeah. for life in Christ right. to the point that we are even willing to suffer for our neighbor, because if we get the short end of the stick, we still have eternity. Mm-hmm. I love the liberty that comes from grasping that and understanding that and uh, living in light of that, of, uh, yeah, everything is complete and given to you in Christ. And uh, this, the, the freedom that that, uh, just a wave of freedom that is encouraging to our hearts, especially if we're wrapped up in trying to uh, do something to contribute towards our ongoing justification uh, in Christ. Yeah, and and, and I think that kind of brings us to the point where we can wrap things up because the last place where we screw up 
justification, and, and we've just come there a couple articles ago, it's the matter of freedom and free will. And in the American church has taught for so long that where our free will exists is in the doctrine of justification, that we make that decision for Christ. But in reality, our freedom flows from the gospel, which has been accomplished by God on his own without our help. And then we are free to live our lives apart from the threats of the law and apart from competing with our neighbors for good works. It's, it's where you put freedom in light of justification makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if your freedom is in uh, your freedom to choose the gospel, uh, then there is no freedom to love your neighbor because there's always going to be that doubt. There's always going to be that lack of certainty. There's always going to be that unassurance. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, good. I, maybe that's a good way to end this episode. Any other closing thoughts? I'll have to come back next time for part two. Part two. Part two. There you go. Is that another language? <laughs> I think that's French. This, all this, yeah. I'm going to have to go get a dictionary. Speaking in tongues, Adam, what's yeah. what we're doing here. Right? Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm going to have to go get a dictionary before next time. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and Pastor Adam continue their discussion on Article 20 of the Augsburg Confession. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.